Well, as we, uh, we are in the Easter season right now, and as we are in the Easter season, one of the things we've asked you to do is encourage you to do is we would like for you to read a, a chapter of the book of John a day. So one chapter a day throughout, throughout the Easter season. If you started last Sunday, you will, uh, you, will, you will read through the book of John uh, twice before Easter gets here, which would be really great. And uh, if you didn't start last Sunday, you want to start this Sunday, well, you, you, you won't quite get to, uh, to it through it twice unless you read through seven chapters like today, which is, I don't know if I can read seven chapters of the Bible. I think you can, uh, you, and you can just get, catch right up. And so I want to encourage you, and it, what it'll do, it'll prepare you for Easter, and then it'll also, because we're going we're to be spending our time in the book of John throughout, uh, leading up to Easter. And so it'll even uh, prep you for some of the, the stories and passages that we're going to be covering on Sunday mornings. The other thing is that as we're in the Lent season, what we want you to do is we want you to, um, we want you to maybe give something up. Give something up. And so if, if you think about something you do on a daily basis, and what it does is it reminds you that, that Christ has given up his life for you. Really, we're just we're doing this in preparation of um, of Jesus's death and his burial and his resurrection and celebration. So encourage you to do that. And as we lead up on Sunday mornings, one of the things that we're going to be doing here is we're going to be looking at these places where where Jesus uses the phrase, truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you. And what you find is that actually Jesus, well, first of all, it's only Jesus that says this, and he's saying it only in the book of John. And in the book of John, he says it 19 times. And really what he's saying is, is that I, I want you to pay attention because like this, this is important. Like I tell you the truth. And some of your translations may even say that. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Not to say that what he was saying before wasn't the truth. Like, no, that wasn't so true. But what I tell you right now, truly, truly, is true. He said, no, like, I want you to pay attention to this truth. Even this morning, as we look at the, uh, our passage this morning, we're going to get three truly, truly's in just, in just 15, pass- in 15 verses. And so with that, um, we have this truly, truly, this, this uh, and, and literally it is, uh, amen, 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 amen. It's amen, amen. And so, amen, it's typically said at the end of the prayer, but like this, so be it, it is true, may it be, truly, truly. And he's going to highlight these, 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 uh, these statements. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning as we look at our passage. And this is going to be in John chapter 3, which is where we're going to start. We're going to go through 15, which is interesting because John 3, 16 is probably the most famous uh, Bible passage in the New Testament, quite possibly in the Bible. Uh, and we're going to stop just, sh- just short of it. And so we're going to look at what leads up to it. This is what it says in John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them, with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let me read that again. This is the last part. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom 
of God. And so Jesus says you must be born again. Now Nicodemus, as it says here, right, he's, he's, he's a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews. And so this would have been somebody of prominence, educated. And the Pharisees would have been one of the, the sects of Judaism. So one of, within, within Judaism, one of the sects, one of the, 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 uh, like the, the avenues of belief. And, and so we, in our terminology, probably like, it would be like a denomination, oh, one of the denominations of, of Judaism. And so he's, he's part of that, and he's a ruler. And so he's, he would have been well thought of, well, well respected, man of prominence. He would have known his, his Old Testament would, to him, which just would have been the Tanakh and the Torah. He would have known that inside and out, well versed in the Bible. And he comes to, to Jesus at night. Now, there's a lot that's been made sometimes. If you've heard this story before, lots will be made at night. And sometimes people say, well, Nicodemus came at night because he was, he was ashamed or he was afraid of what people might think if this Pharisee went to go see Jesus. And that could be. Sometimes they, I think that people read too much into this at night because it could also be that at night was just a time that people would talk. I mean, people think about this after dinner. There was no, to state the obvious, there was no, uh, there was no Netflix, there was no TV. And so people, now crazy thought, crazy, crazy thought, but people would actually get together and they would talk about things that mattered. And so, yeah, and, and this is insane. Like, it was a different world. And, uh, but they would actually get together at night after a meal. There's no TV. Uh, it's the time that you would study. And so it might just even be a, a, just a real practical time that they would get together. At night. It could be that John is making a play, right? That he's come at night to see the light. And so it could be actually all of these things. It actually could be, it could, John could be using them from all of them or just a regular, just a sort of a normal like, yeah, it was just, it was nighttime. And so, but whatever it is, is that we know that Nicodemus came, he came to Jesus, he came at night and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher You've come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Rabbi, the term of respect. It's interesting because at the, the most basic, like foundational, like where you begin sort of a journey with Jesus is you have to answer the question is where did, where did he come from? Now it's interesting that actually that Nicodemus says you, that we actually, I believe that you came from God and that God is with you. Because at the, at the base of Christianity is this idea, when you're investigating or even thinking about Jesus, the question is, where, where did he come from? You know, there's a story where Jesus clears out the temple, the place they would go to worship and offer their sacrifices, and Jesus clears it out. He drives them out and says, basically, you guys have turned this into, it's supposed to be a house of prayer. You turn into a den of robbers. And so he just clears out the temple. And then the next day they come to Jesus, and they go, by whose authority do you do all of this? I mean, you just did yesterday, I mean, be like somebody busting into here in church, like, everybody out. And like, by whose authority can you do all of this? Whose authority? And I let Jesus' response is, let me ask you a question. By whose authority was John, John the Baptist baptizing people? And they're like, oh, so they huddle up. <laughs> and they say, here's the problem. If we say 
that John was baptizing people by God, then he'll say, then Jesus is going to say, um, well, then why didn't you listen to him about what he said about me? But if we say that, that John was just baptizing on behalf of man, like these people will lose their minds. And so their response is, we don't know. <laughs> we, 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 we don't know. Because they are afraid of the implications of the answer. And then Jesus says that I'm not going to tell you. Because the, the, the implication is the answer to that question, which is by God, it's going to be the answer to both. And so, so this, at, the, at the base of Christianity is this idea of, of who is Jesus, but then where did he come from? And if he actually came from God, that has major implications about what he said and what he did and what he accomplished. Now, Nicodemus here, he says, I've seen the signs. And his conclusion is that you have come from God. He's not even questioning that. He's going, um. Then later on, some of the Pharisees will say, we think you have a, uh, a demon with Jesus. You think that you're doing these things by the power of Satan. But actually here, Nicodemus is like, no, I, I think that you're from God and that God is with you. And then it's interesting and you know what Jesus says to that? Rabbi, you're, you're a great teacher. You're from God, and God is with you. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, uh, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I love Jesus. Nicodemus, act, he asked no question. Right? He didn't ask a question. And it was, the question wasn't even, Jesus, how do we see the kingdom of God? Well, truly, truly, I say to you that unless one is born again, they won't see the kingdom of God. Like, oh, that's an appropriate answer. But no question was asked. Not only was no question was asked, nothing was said about the kingdom of God. The only thing that he did was talked about the identity of Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going to answer you. I'm going to answer the question that you're not even asking. I love God because there's often times in your relationship with him, he'll answer questions that you're not even asking. And sometimes God will give you an answer like, I didn't even have that question. God's like, yeah, but you should have. Uh, it, it should have been a question. <laughs> it wasn't a question. And even your statement implied something else. And so I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer the question that you're not even asking. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. Now, most of the Jews at this point, they would have thought by their Jewishness, just by their, by their, their blood, that they would see the kingdom. And then you take somebody like Nicodemus, who is, we would think like he would, he would have lived by the law, tried to live to the fullness of the law, would have been a, a good, we say a good moral man maybe. He knew the Bible. He knew the Bible a lot better than other people knew the Bible. And what Jesus is actually saying in this is that, Nicodemus, you need something else. Nicodemus, as you are now, oh, you are from God and God is with you. As you are now, you will not see the kingdom. Nicodemus, something else has to happen to you before you can even see the kingdom. Now, this would have been a, a guy who, who would have thought, like, I already see I see the kingdom. And what Jesus is saying is like, well, actually, no, no, you don't. Now, it's interesting, this thing is this, this born again. 
It actually can literally be translated as either born again or born from above. It can be either or. And here, even in the Greek, it's a little bit confusing. And I think, um, I think that's by design because it can mean both, born again or born from above. But it's interesting. Like in the Christian terminology, you might hear somebody, are you a born again? Are you a born again? Are you a born again? Like, what does that mean? They go, well, are you Christian? Go, yeah. They go, why would you say born again? Like, well, because you have to be born again. Like, well, you just answered. Yeah, okay, never mind. All right, but because you have to be born again. Like, where does that come from? Like, I don't know, but that's just our terminology. And what does it mean to be born again? That you're Christian? Like, well, yeah, but what happens in that? You go, no, not quite sure, but that's just, it's, it's, it's synonymous with being a Christian. And I would agree and that's Christian terminology that actually comes from this place. But if I were to push that to say, what do you mean when you say born again, other than just you're a Christian? You go, oh, I don't know about that. The good news is, maybe you have some questions. And the good news is, is that Nicodemus had them too. Because this is what then he goes on to say. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from. Or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so Nicodemus is confused. And because Jesus says new birth is a requirement in order to see the kingdom of God. Which, which, which means that just coming to this conclusion that Jesus is from God. And that God is with him is not enough. You notice how, how when, when Nicodemus says, Jesus, I think you're from God and God is with you. Jesus does not say, oh, yeah, solid. All right, you're in. All right, well, who's next? He actually says, no, unless you are born again, you won't actually even see the kingdom. And then, and then Nicodemus asks this ridiculous question, right? How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You ask a ridiculous question when you think what has just been said is ridiculous. You do this with children all the time. You do this with coworkers all the time, right? They say something ridiculous. You follow it up with a ridiculous question, right? Oh, how can be born again? And then Jesus goes on to say, well, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot be enter the kingdom of God. In other words, this is a spiritual birth. Because what he had said, he was born from above or born again before. He goes, well, how can I be physically born again? That, that, that can't happen. And Jesus is like, well, you're right. You can't be physically born again because the, the, the birth that I'm talking about is a, is a spiritual birth, not a physical one. A birth of water and a birth of spirit. It's interesting now because you'll hear in our culture about a spiritual awakening. We need a spiritual awakening. Or maybe somebody would even say, I had like this, 
this, this spiritual epiphany or this spiritual awakening. Very popular language right now. But I go, but that's not Christianity. Christianity is not about having a spiritual awakening. Christianity is about a spiritual birth. And unless you've experienced that spiritual birth, you will not see the kingdom. I thought I was thinking about that this week as I was prepping for this message. You know, th- there's, there's a big difference between waking up from a nap and being born into this world, right? Big, big difference. We are not about, we are not a religion about spiritual awakening. We are, a, it's, it's a religion about the spiritual birth. And so he says this is a, this is a spiritual birth, not a physical one. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And not, not, so not only is this a spiritual birth, but this spiritual birth, it comes from God. In other words, flesh begets flesh, spirit can, begets spirit. Flesh produces flesh, spirit produces spirit. You can't, there's not this idea that where you can produce flesh, and then you just, you arrive and you achieve, you work really hard, and then that, that flesh at some point becomes a spiritual, like a spiritual awakening or a spiritual being. It's like, no. You give birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. And you can't, the flesh can't give birth to spirit. For those of you who are parents who have raised children or are raising children, you know this is true. You have given birth to the flesh. And some days that <laughs> that's problematic, right? It's like, whose, whose child are you? Yeah, you're, you're my child and all flesh that you are. But I, I, I've talked with, I've talked with, with parents. In fact, I was talking with parents this week about kids who have, and their, their question to me is, what could we have done differently? How, what, what could we have said differently? And if only we did this, and only we did that, and if only we did this, then, then maybe they wouldn't have gone off that way and, and, and just, just totally abandoned everything. And they go, well, that, maybe that's true, right? It's always true that you could always be a better parent. It's always true. Um, but, but think about this. God the Father was and is the perfect Father, right? There, he could be no better of a Father than, than what we would have in Him. And yet every single one of His children have gone astray. And you, you can give birth to flesh. But what they need is they need to be spiritually born. And you can't do that. That's only from God. God, God is the only one who can do that. Because now you, you can influence that. But if we're going to have a spiritual, a spiritual birth, it must have a spiritual source. And so he says this is a spiritual birth that comes from God. And this is a spiritual birth that comes by God. That's what he says when he says the wind blows. So don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. There we don't get the, uh, the facial expressions of Nicodemus. I wish that we did. Because he was like, Cause he, don't marvel. Like, you know, I was like, you know, you have to be born again. This is a spiritual birth. Psh, psh. Don't marvel at that. Don't marvel at that. 
Don't marvel that I said that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born by the Spirit. Not only is this a spiritual birth from God, this is a spiritual birth by God. In other words, it's God who causes the spiritual birth. And he says, let me give you an analogy of the wind. By the way, interesting, you may or may not know this, but the, the, the Greek word for wind is, is pneuma, which is the exact same word for spirit. So it's even a play on words here. The wind, the, the, the pneuma, and then the, the, the pneuma, the, the spirit. And so he says that the, the wind, it does. It, it, you don't know where it goes. You don't know where it comes from. You feel its effects. You hear its sound, but it does what it wants to do. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. You may feel the effects of the wind. You can't see the wind. You can't control the wind. The wind does as it wishes. Now, we may say today, oh, but we know where the wind comes from. In fact, actually now, even on my, my, my fancy-dancy app, it will tell me tomorrow, on, you know, on, on, uh, on Monday, we should have winds of between 15 to 20 miles an hour coming up in the south-southwest, or whatever it would be. You know, they, they can predict it. So we actually, we know this, but at the time they didn't. And part two is that, actually, interestingly enough, even though we know it, we still can't control it. If we could, we, 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 we would, right? If we could, we would. And he goes, and the Spirit of God is like that. The spiritual birth that you need to see the kingdom is from God. Spirit begets Spirit. And it's by God. The Spirit does and moves how the Spirit wants to, to move. And this is what we are talking about so to be born again is a spiritual rebirth that comes by God and from God. And this is the, what we're talking about, a radical rebirth. Something that was, when there was, there was death and now there is life. It's interesting because, because I think a lot of times that people think that what, what Christianity is, is just God making good people better. You know, like you were stealing and now I don't steal. And I used to lie, but now I don't lie. And I used to be greedy, but now I'm generous. And although there are those sorts of stories, and they should be those sorts of stories, but there's this idea that, that Christianity, Christianity's purpose is just to make good people better. And better people great. And great people perfect. But actually what it says is that, is that there is this, this idea from death to life. At a radical rebirth. Even as we think about our culture and our, our country, people go, we need to be, we need to return or we need to get back. And really, a lot of what I'm hearing is like, we need to be more moralistic. And I go, we could be more moralistic, but we would still as a country be spiritually dead. What we need is a radical rebirth. We need radical rebirth. And this is, this is what Christianity is based on. This is not about making life better, but about giving life where there used to be death. You were spiritually dead. And in God and by God, spiritual birth has happened. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? 
Jesus answered him, are you, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe it if I tell you heavenly things? Because you don't, I'm talking about spiritual rebirth. How do you not know this? Is, and Nicodemus, by the way, says like the teacher. So it's, it's quite possibly that he was like, well, the teacher, like really, really prominent in, uh, in, in the, the Pharisaic circles. How do you not know this? I'm talking about spiritual rebirth. How do you not know this? Because actually, if you read the Old Testament, there is this theme of spiritual birth. You see that, that God is talking about a time when he's going to come in, in Ezekiel. I'm going to, I'm going to put my, my spirit upon you. I'm going to take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. There's going to be this spiritual rebirth. And he's saying, how, Nicodemus, how do you not know this? You're the one teaching Israel. You're the educated one. You're the one informing the people. How do you not know this? And if you don't believe our testimony now about these sorts of things, well, we're going to be testifying to greater things. And if you don't receive the lesser testimony, you got no shot at receiving the greater testimony. I mean, if, if I'm on a jury and a witness comes in, and it's proved that they lied about what they ate for breakfast. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about this guy. I mean, he can't even tell me the truth about breakfast. And if I don't trust what he said for breakfast, I'm not trusting what he said about things later on. And he's saying, if you don't trust what I say about the, like the earthly things, we're going to be talking about greater heavenly things, and, and you're not going to receive a testimony there either. And then, verse 13 Jesus says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And so the spiritual rebirth is, is being defined. And I love this. Jesus has come down to be lifted up. And he says, and just like, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, to which you may think, yeah, just, just like that, of course. That's, uh, that's what I was thinking. But, but there's, actually, there's actually a, a really a great story in, 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 in the Old Testament, and I want to take you there now. It's in Numbers chapter 21. Verse 4. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go down to the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. Remember, they, they've already left Egypt. These are the Israelites. They're now in the wilderness. Moses is leading them. Verse 5, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. By the way, they're referring to manna. 
because God was providing manna every morning, manna every morning, manna every morning. And I love this because, because they, they, they speak against God and they speak about Mo, against Moses. Like, why did you take us out of slavery only to bring us out here to die? We got no food, and I love this even in the passage. We got no food, and we got no water, and, and I hate this worthless food. Like, well, I thought you just said you didn't have any food. Like, well, yeah, well yes, but we do have some food. It, it, it sustains us, but it, we don't like it. And so why didn't you give us any food and water? I gave you food. Well, yeah, okay, okay, yes, you gave me this food, but I meant, like, why didn't you give me other food? If only we were different. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died and the people came to Moses and said we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you and pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us so Moses prayed for the people and the Lord said to Moses make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. And so Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. There's these places in the Bible in our lives when we're just obedient and sometimes we don't know the significance of our obedience. You know? God just says, do it. And we go, why? Because I, I, I didn't ask you to ask why. I just asked you to do it. And it's interesting here because in this story, we have a people who are rebellious, a people who have sinned against God and his leaders. And then, and then God, God sends judgment. And in the middle of the judgment, they, 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 they repent and say, we we're like pray to the Lord, and, and, and God then offers, in the midst of that judgment, what God offers is salvation. And by the way, it's, 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 it's not Moses offering the salvation. It's not Moses going, I got a good idea. How about we just we make a serpent, and we lift it up, and then whoever looks at the serpent, then, then they, will be, they, they will have life instead of death. And that, that sounds like a really good idea. That, that wasn't his idea. That was God's idea. God said, this, Moses, this is what I want you to do. And then later on, you know, 1,500 years later, Jesus comes along to a rebellious people under the judgment of God and says there's going to be something lifted up, but this time it's not the serpent. This time is the Son of Man. And whoever looks upon him will have eternal life. You know, I thought we were talking about spiritual birth. Like, yes, we're talking about spiritual birth. So how do we get, like, from the king? So spiritual birth, kingdom of God, yes, to then Jesus seems to just... Totally changed the conversation. And by the way, if, if, you look to, if you look to the Son of Man on the cross, you will have life. You think about this. This is what he said. Spiritual birth will see the kingdom. That spiritual birth is by God and from God. And if you look upon the Son, lift, high and lifted up, you will have eternal life. 
I think it's this idea that this spiritual birth, it comes from the Father, by the Spirit, and causes you to look upon the Son. That the spiritual birth comes by the Father, sorry, from the Father, by the Spirit, and causes you to look upon the Son. You think about Jesus on the cross, right? Because this is what, when you talk lifting up, right? Actually, this word for lifted up is used other places, but when it's used in the other places in the gospel, it's always about Jesus being crucified. So now like, oh, then, then he lifted up prayers. Not different word. This is only other use is when it's used to, to refer to Jesus up on the cross. And he says, and those who look to the Son, they will have life. Just like those who looked at the serpent had life. There was death, but now there's life. But you think about this. From a worldly perspective, you look upon the cross, and what you would see is, as I hear people talk about Jesus was a good man. From a worldly perspective, yes. A moral man. Worldly perspective, yes. Very insightful, yes. Great teacher, yes. Then they say, God, I don't know. And I go, but here's, here's my, my problem. If all he was was just a good man, a good teacher, a great rabbi, and lived a great life. Then what happened to him in the end. Him upon the cross. That's injustice. For an innocent man has been executed. A good moral man has been executed. And that's injustice no matter when and where you go. But it's interesting. If you look at the cross through, I would say, more of a spiritual lens. Through the Spirit's lens. What you see on the cross is you see God's power. You see see God's wrath poured out, but God's mercy and grace being given. You see both God's judgment and His forgiveness. You see your sin. You see the death that he died that you should have died so that you can have the life in which you're to live. And so when you look at the cross, and even as we get ready for Easter, as we look at the cross, as we look at the cross through, through the lens of the Spirit, we see the power of God and we see from the cross where there is death, we actually see life. From, from a world perspective, if you look at the cross, all you'll ever see is death. But from the spiritual rebirth side, as you look at the cross and you see actually death that gives way to life. Now, how'd you get there? Because you're smart. I mean, you are smart. But how'd you get there? Good IQ? You got a good IQ. How'd you get there? How'd you, how'd you come to the place that you, you looked at the cross differently? And that you looked at the cross not, just as, not as a condemnation, but as a saving, as a saving grace? How'd you get there? Jesus says, you had a spiritual birth. That spiritual birth caused you to look at the cross in a new way. That spiritual birth that came from God, 
that came by God and now has you look upon the Son as a source of life. Those are the people that have eternal life. This is why Christianity is not just a work harder, try harder kind of religion. And so often it becomes that. Hey, you guys, we've had Sunday morning. Now go out and be better people. You know, or like, hey, go out and work harder and uh, go out and try harder. Although you should work out your salvation right in those ways. But that's not at the base of Christianity. The base of Christianity is this spiritual birth that has come by God from God that has caused us to look upon his son on the cross lifted up as a source of life. And if that's what you think and if that's what you see, he goes, that's how you see the kingdom. That's how you achieve eternal life. Now here's the interesting thing for Nicodemus. Jesus was not lifted up in this moment. Jesus was going to be lifted up in a later moment. And the idea is that in that moment, when he saw him lifted up, the only way, the only way, the only way he could come to the conclusion that this is, this is life was through the Spirit. What we need culturally, in our community, in your families, maybe even you personally, what you need is a radical rebirth. Not a tweaking. Not a plussing up. Not an extra. But a radical rebirth. And that radical rebirth only comes from God and by God. And that radical rebirth will cause you to look upon the Son and see Him as the source of life. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that, uh, Jesus, You were high and lifted up. That it is both uh, for, the con- for our condemnation that will result in your, your glorification and exaltation. We thank you, uh, Spirit, that you have, for, for many in this room, that you have, caused, you have caused the rebirth. It's not because we, we came to our senses. It's not because we woke up one day and all the pieces just, just fell together, that we put it all together, that we became smart enough and figured it out. It's not even because we had a spiritual awakening, but a radical rebirth. We have all experienced the physical birth. May we all in this room experience the radical rebirth, spiritual birth that causes us to look upon you, Jesus, high and lifted up as the source of our life. We love you. We pray for these things in your name. Amen.